Our scripture of the day is found in your bulletin or on the screen if you're joining us from home. It is Psalm 23, verse 5. Let's say it together. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Let us pray. Holy God, give you thanks for this opportunity to look at how precious oil is in your story, from Genesis to Revelation to today. And just as you poured oil over the beard of Aaron, may it pour upon us this day, anointed by you. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when I was thinking about what I wanted to say to all of you today, I started to think about the role of oil in the Bible. And there's a wonderful writer, theologian named Rachel Held Evans, and she said that if you open the Bible to Genesis 1 and you travel all the way through to Revelation, that the Bible drips with oil. So it's a really neat thing how oil was used in the people of Israel in their life early on and in the days of the New Testament. And we see oil used in a variety of different ways. Oil was used in food, just like we use oil today, which reminds me of a wonderful story. I did a wedding. I, I'll, I'll resist the name, but oh my goodness, it's hard to resist. So the groom wakes up the morning after the big wedding, and he decides to make this a wonderful breakfast for his bride, true story. And he makes all the eggs, and he does the bacon last, and he realizes he's got nowhere to put the oil from the frying pan, and there's a milk jug. And he puts the oil in the milk jug, and he puts it on the counter behind him, and he goes back to make breakfast, and the bride wakes up in the kitchen and is like, what? And the oil is melted, and it's going all over the kitchen counter. And he said, good morning, dear. Welcome to life with me. <laughs> oh, my. So oil, right, in the wrong hands can cause a mess, right? And dare you drip it on the floor and walk over it, right? But when you think about oil in the Bible, it was used for cooking. It was also used for perfume, like in our story today. So oil mixed with perfume. We have essential oils today. A lot of people have essential oils. And much of that was also used in the Bible. For Christmas last year, I was given scents and essential oil like myrrh and frankincense that I can have in my office. Talk about writing Christmas with that scent in my office. We also see in the Old Testament, the anointing of kings with oil. Great scene, right? Samuel, and he goes to the house of Jesse and he's got all these sons and they're all kind of strapping and amazing. And where is little David, the shepherd boy out in the field? And Jesse sees Samuel coming and he's excited and he brings out the oldest and they go one by one. And Samuel's like, nope, that's not the guy. And in runs in little David, and that's the guy who would become King David in the lineage of Jesus. So the anointing of oil was anointing for kings. 
The anointing of oil was also for commissioning, was also for healing. And my understanding from what I read is there were two kinds of oil. There was an expensive oil and there was a not so expensive oil. So the least expensive was pressed and they talked about grapes. And so you think about, um, I love Lucy, right? Everyone's seen that scene, right? They're in the grapes and they're stomping all over the place. Well, I actually looked it up in a concordance and I, so I showed Chapel Friday. There was this big round stone and a guy literally had to walk and go around and around while the grapes were pressed and then what came out was the oil. And that was the least expensive kind. I bring it up to you because now we go past Aaron in the Old Testament who was anointed the priest. The priestly sect, right, of the 12 tribes of Israel, that great image in the, in the Old Testament where all of a sudden oil is poured down his head and he's anointed as priest. And all the priests are anointed and set aside to serve the people. But then we move on to Jesus, right? And he didn't carry anything on him. And yet he anointed people all the time, but he had to use what he had because he couldn't even afford the less expensive oil. So they talk about, and we don't want to miss it, when he goes to heal people, what does he often use, right? His own spittle with mud, and he puts it on the blind man's eyes. And he talks about that. And so imagine him too at the Last Supper as we get ready to go into Holy Week. There was oil on the table. Oil could also be used for cleaning. And we know that at the Last Supper, he got down on his knees and he washed everyone's feet as servant. And remember what feet were like in the New Testament, right? They walked everywhere on foot. It was dusty roads, muddy roads. And so imagine Jesus who stands as host to the table and then as they walk in and they get seated, he then removes his cloak, right? And like a servant, he gets down on his knees and they're all in protest, Lord, Lord, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God, we're not worthy. And he said to follow him and do likewise. So when was the last time you poured oil over somebody? Not necessarily with oil, but maybe with your words with a smile, with a handshake, with a, hey, I'll pray for you, and you follow up and pray. Maybe you sent off a text or an email, or maybe you walked up to somebody and you just poured blessings upon them, filled with gratitude. So of all the stories of anointing, my favorite one is the one you saw about Mary and Bethany. So now remember that they're at the home of a Pharisee. So already you know that Jesus is in the wrong place because Pharisees were trying to trip up Jesus. And so he's welcomed into the house of a Pharisee, not so it can be kind of a kumbaya experience, but they want to trip him up. And so he's sitting with the religious leaders around this table and in comes Mary, same hometown, right? He spent a lot of time in Bethany with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And she just comes right into the table. So wrong. First of all, women weren't at the table back then. Second of all, not her house. So she comes right in. She kind of bursts into this dinner party. And she's overcome with gratitude and with love 
and with the mercy she's been shown. And she gets down on her knees, and as she mentioned in the video, you had to keep your hair up. And she put down her hair because she didn't have a towel. And as she anoints his feet, the only way she can dry them is with her hair. And perfume and oil, as you know, when you keep oil like in a jar in your freezer, right? When it freezes, it's got that hard top on it. So the only way to get this expensive, and it was the expensive oil, which, may, which means it was her most treasured possession, she had to break it. So once she broke it, all of it had to come out. You couldn't save it. So imagine all this oil poured upon his feet and then the shock of everybody around him saying, oh my gosh, you could have sold that. We could have given money to the poor in a different translation. Does anyone know the disciple that actually says that? Judas. And literally, after this scene, the next two verses are Judas going to get his 30 pieces of silver. So it really wasn't about feeding the poor for Judas, right? It's also amazingly true is just as she anoints Jesus' feet, what he does is the ultimate sacrifice, much more rich than perfume. He hangs on a cross for all of us and he rises again. And so how amazing it is that she prepares his body because oil was also used for embalming. And so she actually prepares his body and he says it outright when they're ready to scold her in the video. And she says, but look what she's done. The poor will always be with you, but I won't. So she actually prepared his body for burial. How amazing with the best gift she had and she gave all that she had Two, I, I just love where she is. She's on the floor. She's on her knees. How amazing is that? We follow Jesus with all that we've got and with all that we have, and he blesses her. He fills her life with meaning. We also know that Mary was the one that he actually broke down and cried with when he came back into town and Lazarus was already dead. He first met Martha in the garden because he was hiding in secret because the last time he left, they were following him out of town, wanting to kill him. So he comes back in at night and he meets Martha and he says, go get Mary. And when Mary comes back, she looks at him and says, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And without saying a word, it says that Jesus wept. So this was a woman that he had cried with even though he raised him from the dead in the next verses, which means fully human. Imagine what it must have been like to sit at a table with Pharisees who don't get it, who are trying to mess you up, and in walks Mary. How bold, how courageous, how loving, how merciful. And as she pours out what she has, he pours into her. And so my prayer for all of us today as we get ready for Palm Sunday and Holy Week is that we receive all the love and the mercy that Jesus has for us and that in turn we go out and we pour out our love in action and words to others. So may God bless us all in the weeks to come. Amen.